We are Radio Glamorgan and we're proudly supporting Wales in the World Cup. Hello and welcome to another All About Sport here on Radio Glamorgan. I'm Julie Kissick and I'm back with the final year sports journalism students from the University of South Wales and we're bringing you the first of our World Cup specials. Today, the focus is on Wales' opener on Monday against the United States of America, and we have plenty of familiar faces to bring you, including Esme Allchurch, widow of the legendary Ivor, who played in the last campaign in 1958. That was 64 years ago. Former Wales international and coach Alan Curtis joins us, and we'll have expert analysis from Wales' top goalscorer, Helen Ward. And some of the final year students, a.k.a. the Motley crew, will be joining me with their take on what might unfold over the next couple of weeks. And we'll be starting a tradition of playing the Wales official song on every show that we do between now and Camry's exit. So prepare for the hairs on the back of your neck to stand up as we start the show with David Ewan and Amma Orheed.
We're three days away from Wales's opening game in Qatar. 64 years of hurt are behind us. Alan Curtis played for Wales. He coached his country and he represented both Swansea City and Cardiff City, one of the few players to do so. He knows better than many what a long time this has been in the making and Sam Hancock caught up with him to gauge more about his thoughts. I, I think it's excitement. I think it's, you know, it, it captured the imagination, obviously, of the of the Welsh public, you know, whether you're a rugby supporter or, or a football supporter. We've waited an awful long time, 64 years uh, for this moment. And uh, I think it's one of huge anticipation, you know, the fact that, uh, um, you know, after, after so many years of, um, you know, disappointment and heartache, then uh, we're actually at a, we're actually in the World Cup finals. Uh, what did you make of Wales and qualifiers, and what did the performances tell us in terms of what to expect during the World Cup? Well, well, uh, there's obviously there was a debate the other day on Talksport, you know, about you know how many Welsh players would would get into the England squad, and um, you know, I, I, mean, I suppose if you look at it, I mean, yeah, there's probably not a huge amount. I mean, I think Gareth would be in it, obviously. I think Aaron Ramsey should be in it. Ben Davis maybe, uh, Joe Allen if he was fit. Uh, but I can see, you know, I can see the theory behind it that you know the players, um, you know, the England squad would be stronger than the Welsh squad. But I think it's more about the the actual when they come together. I think England has certainly got good individuals, but I think we've got the better team uh, and a team spirit. And not saying that England, you know, that they lack team spirit. It's just the fact that Wales is very much a team game. Obviously, we've got Gareth Bale, who's uh, been performing miracles for years now, and uh, you know. Come the big stage, then he always seems to perform. Likewise, probably with that, with, you could say the same thing about Adam Ramsey as well. Um, so I, I think it's, it's it's very much a sort of um, uh, very much a team game. Even though, as I say, we've got we've got two brilliant individuals uh, who can win the game out of nothing. But uh, I think with the campaign, you know, there have been times when you know we've not played maybe particularly well. You know, even the Ukraine game when we sort of um, you know we clinched qualification for for the World Cup. Ukraine probably with a better team on the night, but uh, we've always got that. You know those individuals who can rise to to the big occasion and and, and always seem to do it. To be fair, so um, yeah, it, it's. I think we're very much a team, a team that relies upon the unity of and the strength of you know the the the, the atmosphere that they've created amongst themselves, and uh, it's, it's really intimate atmosphere. And the boys keep on saying that you know they. Uh, it's very much like a club team, uh, like a club side, and uh, I think that was reflected in performances. And I'm sure we will take that now into the World Cup. Obviously, Bale and Ramsey will most likely be key to any success we have in this World Cup. But yeah. are there any other players you think will have a standout tournament? Well, I, I think um, I think he's a more for one. You know, I think that he's a big. You know, he's he's not the type of he's, he's like an old-fashioned centre forward. And I, I actually don't think the teams are equipped now to deal with. You know, to pick a brazier set of forwards, I think obviously he needs to be he needs to be careful in terms of you know the challenges that he puts in. You know, all his challenges, but I mean, the referees are obviously you know the, you know the, the, he's been he's been booked a couple of times you know for use of an elbow. Where I'm sure in the old days he would have gone away with that. That you know even in the Premier League might possibly get away with it. I think um, you know Ben Davis. <laughs> to be fair, to Ben has been one of the most consistent players uh, in the team for such a long, long time now. And then you've got the likes of Dan James, you've got Brendan Johnson now, who sort of, who's done really well at uh, Nottingham Forest. And again, you know, 
I don't know if he's going to be a, a star there, but certainly he will have some sort of impact on the on the team uh, and on the game. So, um, and then you've got Ethan, people like Ethan, Pompidou, who's got coming up to 40 caps, which is incredible for a, for such a young man. And, uh, you know, um, he's always, you know, every time he plays for Wales, he always seems to have a really, really good game. So, there's, you know, there's lots of players that uh, hopefully will make an impact, but we still always talk, and, you know, we keep coming back, uh, it's circles really, we keep coming back to Gareth and, uh, and Aaron Ramsey. You know, they are the two key players for us, without a doubt. As someone who's made uh, 35 appearances for Wales, you know what it's like to be in amongst the international camps. From the outside looking in, what do you think this team has that has allowed them to go that extra step and make it to the World Cup uh, that so many previous teams have managed to do? Well, you know, obviously, you know, we've got two world-class players, especially Gareth. I mean, um, well, I, I, I would put Aaron in the world-class uh, category as well when he's fit and fine. Um, but, you know, Gareth Bale is probably... You know, the debate, you know, who's the best there for a sort of Welsh player. I mean, Gareth probably is top of the list now. Uh, the older, probably the older generation would still go for John Charles. But, uh, you know, it, it, so we've been fortunate to have a, a really iconic player, really. Um, somebody that sort of comes around once in a lifetime almost. Um, so, um, you know, we've, you know, when you, when you look at the squad, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a togetherness about it. Uh, and I think it's, as I said before, you know, there's almost like a club spirit in it. You know, they all sort of, uh, you know, a lot of them come through the youth teams together, come through the ranks together. And I think, you know, the the, the pride that they get playing for the country, I think that is reflected in their performances. All About Sport on Radio Glamorgan.
we've established it's 64 years since Wales played at the World Cup. Alex Wallace spoke to Esme Allchurch, widow of the late great Ivor Allchurch, who's regarded as one of the greatest Welsh players ever. Esme shared stories from 1958, as well as telling us her feelings ahead of this year's tournament. Obviously, when people talk about 1958, the, the last time we were at the World Cup, What's the first thing that, that always seems to come to your mind when someone brings it up? Well, just so proud, really, that Wales did so well because uh, we didn't expect to be going there. And then all of a sudden we were in, you know, and everybody kept saying we got in by the back door, but uh, we got in at Emirates. We had to beat Israel twice to get in. So, uh, as I say, just really proud of the team that went there. Obviously, Ivor played a major part as well. Sort of what what was the feeling around him going into that tournament? Obviously, it was one of the first times we'd ever been and it was such a big occasion for the country. But what was it like for you and him in particular? Uh, he was injured and he was out for about two or three months. So he didn't play for Swansea or Wales during that time. He got pet, but he, he just couldn't play. So... Uh, he didn't play against Czechoslovakia and East Germany because that's where they would have had to qualify. Uh, but then when it became known that Israel, nobody would play Israel, it was all very political. I mean, I don't really understand it all, but every time a team was chosen to play them, they refused. So in the end, what FIFA did, they put all the second place clubs into said into the Jules Rimmer Cup and pulled them out and uh, so many clubs came out and no Belgium did and there was another name and they refused to play they said no way are we playing Israel so then Wales came out and oh we were all yes yes please I was, I was uh, selectors yes we'll go so that's when he really became involved because then he was fit. So the first game was out in Israel and they won 2-0 and they had a terrific welcome by the Israelis because at last there was somebody who was willing to play them 
And then they came and played the second game in Cardiff. And again, they they won 2 0. And again, I was scored. So, but the interesting story behind that was the Israelis were so thrilled with the Welsh that they sent each player a crate of oranges. So we had this crate of oranges delivered to our home. Um, which was great for all the local neighbours and everything because we could never have eaten our way through that. That's a brilliant so, story, that is. Yeah. Despite the success on that night in Cardiff on February the 5th, 1958, Esme explains in the next clip how the Welsh players, and especially manager at the time, Jimmy Murphy, who was also the assistant at Manchester United, struggled to come to terms with the true joy of the occasion due to the events of the Munich air disaster the same night. Unfortunately, it was a sad side because we played in Cardiff and won the game. We were there, all great excitement. And then, uh, you know, they all went the different ways. And uh, Jimmy Murphy, our then manager, went back off to Manchester. And, of course, that evening was when the Man U plane went down in Munich. Uh, with, you know, lots of players losing their lives and lots of them very badly injured. And, of course, Matt Busby was as well. So poor Jimmy Murphy, who'd been on a high from knowing he was through to the World Cup, had to go off to Munich to see Matt Busby. And, and that not only left a, a feeling of sadness over Manchester, but the whole of football and, and the world, really. And I think that took a lot of... The shine off us in Wales being, you know, overjoyed with what had happened. It took us a while to come to terms with that and then realise, oh, my God, we go into uh, Sweden in June for the World Cup. Obviously, back then, we we definitely didn't live in a world of social media where, like we do now. And we have all these TV programmes coming out about the, the World Cup this year. What was the build-up actually like in 58? Was there really much of a a build-up as such in terms of the the news coverage, any little things like that? No, there was hardly anything on the tally. Well, I don't think there was anything on the tally. And uh, there was no coverage as such, you know, and uh, they just went off to London and uh, Jimmy Murphy had arranged for them to train before they went off to Sweden at a local ground. I'm not sure where or anything, but when they turned out to do the training, they couldn't because the ground had just been receded. So they had nowhere to train. So uh, Jimmy Murphy being him, he said, oh, come on, we'll all go off to Hyde Park. So they went to Hyde Park, put their coats down for Goldmouth, as you would when you were kids, you know, young boys would do. And they were having a run around there and, and a bit of a game. And... Uh, I don't know whether it was like just the park keeper or a gate, you know, whoever looked after the uh, Hyde Park came along and said, oh, no ball games here, you can't play here, boys, you know. So Jimmy Murphy had a good chat with him and uh, he said, all right, you can have an hour. So that was their training to get ready to get on the plane to go to Sweden. And we didn't have a big squad. They'd chosen a big squad, but they trimmed it and cut it down to the bones because they took um, most selectors and uh, rumour had it that the wives went, you know, the selectors' wives, not us wives, like, uh, filled the plane. 
So we had a very sparse squad going off to Sweden. Did you actually think Wales would have qualified again in your lifetime, Esme? Well, I kept hoping because we've had such great players all through. But we just haven't perhaps had the luck or just that extra bit of having one more player because that's what it needs, you know. Uh, we, we're never going to have, like, uh, what can I say, 11 great world beaters because we're such a small nation. But, you know, we always manage to get five, maybe six. But, and you know, we have bad luck, I think. But I'm biased. From the heart of the Heath, serving the University Hospital of Wales, St David's Hospital and the Cardiff Royal Infirmary too. We are Radio Glamorgan. Wales' all-time leading goal scorer Helen Ward has huge experience of big games. Here's the Wales strikers' analysis ahead of the opening game. She was speaking to Dav Jones. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think um, it's been a long time coming. And with this group of players and the success they've had, you know, particularly in European competitions and getting to two major tournaments in recent years, I think the World Cup was the next step. And as I said, the likes of Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, Joel and those players that have been through it all, they deserve this moment. And we weren't too sure if it would come round again if this opportunity was missed. So, yeah, really delighted for them and, and excited to see how they get on in Qatar. It goes without saying that this uh, game against uh, USA is a massive deal for the country. Just how much of an achievement is is it for Wales, a country of our size, to be competing in the World Cup? Yeah, when you, you know, it's it's one thing going through the qualification and we need to win this game, win that game. Of course, the Ukraine one was a, was a massive moment. But when you take a step back and actually look at the qualification process and the number of teams that don't qualify, the fact that a nation the size of Wales has got there, you know, and we'll look to compete as well. Speaks volumes for what Rob Page has done with the team. And, you know, not just Rob Page, but those that have gone before him, particularly Gary Spee, Chris Coleman, people like that. They've they've laid the groundwork for this to be the moment that it happens. And, yeah, it's a, it's a huge moment for the country. You know, we're, we're steeped in history in terms of rugby and things like that. But maybe it's football turn football's turn to, to put its name on the map in Wales. And, yeah, there's certainly a buzz around the place at the moment. And you spoke about the the talent in the squad earlier, the likes of Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey. They're the talisman, of course. Just going into the tournament, what are you expecting from this Wales team? I'm expecting what we always get, and that's for the players to come in and absolutely enjoy everything about putting that Welsh shirt on. You know, from the likes of Chris Gunter, who may or may not get on the pitch, to someone like Bale, who will play as many minutes as possible. Um, every single person in that squad has got a role to play in some some way, and that's why Rob Page has picked them. Some people were calling for some of the younger players that have been performing well to come in in place of the likes of Guns and Johnny Williams. But I think what's forgotten is what goes into the team and the squad as a whole. And those boys deserve to be there. And I think, as I said, club form goes out the window a little bit. Obviously, it's nice that a few of the boys scored at the weekend and, you know, in weeks, recent weeks in their their club games. But whatever happens, they they seem to put that shirt on and, and they lift their game to another level. They They love playing together. And that's what I expect. I expect a lot of energy. I expect the most heart that you'll ever see. I think they'll just enjoy doing it. And, you know, that way their their talent and their attributes shine through. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing us playing an exciting brand of football and hopefully ending with a, with a few good results. And of course, you've got vast experience in playing in huge games. This USA game for Wales is as big as it gets. What are the key things in dealing with that mentally? I think the important thing is to know that it's the first out of three games. 
and and not to get too excited, which I'm sure they won't. I think they need to ease their way into the game, make sure they settle down, get through blocks of time, whether that's 10, 15 minutes at a time, just work their way into the game. The USA, again, they've they've got quite a young and exciting squad um, that hasn't been on the world stage for a little while now, but they're still coming back to the fore. So it's not going to be an easy game by any means, but there's there's also going to be the same sorts of pressures on them. So I think it could be quite tentative to begin with, um, but hopefully we can cause them some problems and get a good result because I think I think the most important thing is to not lose that first game because it makes it a lot more difficult going into the last two knowing you need in a result. But yeah, enjoy it. You know, take the moment in. It's a huge moment in Welsh history in terms of football. And yeah, I think once they once they get into the game and they settle down, I think it'll be a really good one to watch. And, and you spoke about the mental side of the game there. Is the magnitude of this game, is that something do you feel that to embrace as a player or does it help in your experience to kind of play it down and just treat it like any other game? I think a bit of both. I think you have to embrace it because you don't get these opportunities very often as a footballer or as a person. So I think you have to embrace it, but you know, make sure that you also do everything that you would do for any other game and, and know that at the end of the day, it is 11 against 11 on the pitch. Those situations, those circumstances are exactly the same as another game. Take it all in before you can, before the game if you can. But then once it gets down to it, once you get out to the warm-up, you do the same thing as you go through the same routines as you would week in, week out for your club and, and every other time you've you've come in an international duty. So, yeah, embrace the moment, but then, you know, realise you've got to get down to work and get it done. Broadcasting from the John Wills Studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff. We are Radio Glamorgan. That's all from us for the first part of the show. We'll be back again with plenty more chat about Wales and the World Cup, more great Welsh music and some more news about Radio Glamorgan. We are Radio Glamorgan and we're proudly supporting Wales in the World Cup. Welcome back to the second part of the show. I'm Julie Kissick. This is all about sport on Radio Glamorgan. And this is the first of our World Cup series. The sports journalism final year students from the University of South Wales are putting together five special programmes for you. We'll be charting Wales's success, we hope, over the course of the next few weeks. And we'll be playing plenty of great Welsh music, including this one.
to believe now that there was a time when being the Wales football reporter was one of the least favourite jobs in the whole of the sports news department. 64 years, that's what it's taken to get to a World Cup. Rob Phillips, BBC Wales's football correspondent, spoke to Lewis Sharp about what that means to him and what he thinks it means to the nation. A mixture of everything, really, really exciting. This has been 64 years in the making and not even I was around when Wales last qualified for the World Cup final. So I think I'm sort of just reflective of the mood of the nation, really. Um, sheer joy that, that Wales are there and hoping that when they get there and, and knowing that they will do themselves proud, whether that means you know winning a couple of games, getting out of the group or not. But uh, it's it's an adventure. And the great thing is about Welsh football at the international level, it shows it's on the app because these adventures are becoming more frequent. You know, 58 years before Wales qualified for anything since that World Cup in 58. And now two Euros and a World Cup later. It's three in a number of years, which is fantastic. And it does show the upward trajectory of Wales at the international level. And for you, you've been fortunate to um, report on Wales at Euro 2016, Euro 2020. Where do you think this will rank for you personally amongst the Euros that you've reported on? Well, Wales Wales at Euro 2016 was an unforgettable experience in that it was the first time since 1958. But also, we flew out to Sweden first, saw Wales get hammered in a friendly flew via Stansted, but straight to France. And we didn't know when we were coming home. We thought we might be coming home after the first stage, but Wales got through that memorably. But the adventure just continued all the way up to the semi-finals. It was an extraordinary odyssey, really. And one which I don't think, because it was the first, I don't think people will ever uh, surpass that. Unless, of course, Wales win the World Cup this in the next few weeks. So it, it was a truly special uh, occasion. But having said all that, there is only one World Cup. It is only every four years. And every footballer who plays the game wants to feature in a World Cup. Very few get the chance. Every journalist covering a country wants to go to a World Cup. Some countries are there regularly. Had I been born in Brazil, I might have six, seven World Cups under my belt now. But no, this is Wales, and this will be truly, truly a remarkable experience, no matter what. And you've covered Wales for decades. You've witnessed the highs and lows of recent times, closer to the team than what many others are. 
Um, how big of an occasion do you think this is, the tournament, not only for the team and fans, but just sort of the country as a whole? Yeah, I thought Gareth Bale was really interested. In the media day before the Wales team set off, he said uh, along the lines of, being on this sort of stage means people won't have to ask where Wales is. They'll know about Wales. So I think you're talking about a global profile. There are very few sports where reaching the finals of a, of a world tournament can really put you on the map. But football is the global game. I've always said this, you know, no matter how popular it may be in whatever particular country you're in, it is the global game. It's the universal game. It's played in more countries than any other sport. So therefore, it is a chance to be an ambassador for your country. You know, the fans, the Red Bull were that in France, but that was just in Europe. The shame about Qatar is, leave aside all the political problems there and the uh, the moral problems, the, the shame about Qatar is not so many of the Red Wall will be able to go because I still say they were in France in 2016, the finest ambassadors this country has ever produced. And um, personally, when I saw the draw, saw that we had USA and Iran, I was quite pleased um, when I you know, saw that we'd drawn them. But the more I hear about the two sides, the less confident that I become. Um, what sort of threat do you think that they pose to Wales? And what, do you, what, what are your predictions for the first two games? Do you think we can get results? Wales are in what you would probably say is the toughest group in that it's got the highest average seeding among any of the World Cup groups. So you look at some groups, they're very lopsided. They've got a giant uh, uh, as a number one seed and the last team is sometimes below 30th in the world. Well, all these four in this group are in the top 20. That should be borne in mind. I, I, I do think that you know, we have to take that into account. That said, I think the first game is always the key. I won't forget Slovakia. You know, Wales scrambled past Slovakia in the Euros in France and went on to, to great things. If Wales can overcome the USA in the first game, I think Iran will be an unknown quantity, very largely, but also really well organised with Carlos Queiroz in charge. And then, of course, England is a game that tends to look after itself. It's a circus match. Uh, it always is when England are in town. It won't be any different out in the desert either. From the heart of the Heath, serving the University Hospital of Wales, St David's Hospital and the Cardiff Royal Infirmary too. We are Radio Glamorgan. You're listening to All About Sport on Radio Glamorgan with me, Julie Kissick. We're with you until 7 o'clock on this Friday evening and the show is repeated tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, though, it's on at the earlier time of 5 o'clock. So if you're an early bird, you can listen again. All About Sport on Radio Glamorgan. The opening game against USA is massive for Wales, but how do their opponents head into the clash? Here's Lewis Sharp and Dav Jones speaking to sports writer Megan Faringa. It's a lot of excitement because the USA missed out on 2018 in a pretty um, pretty disappointing and kind of humiliating fashion um, to lose to Trinidad and Tobago in the way that we did. The USA was incredibly 
um, rude in the way that they treated Trinidad and Tobago. They went to that game just assuming that they would get through it and they were like rightfully defeated. So yeah, to come back from that and to get into this World Cup um, is a huge deal, not only for fans who are fans of soccer and fans of football in the USA, but also in terms of us trying to make the soccer like a decent sport in the US. Like 2018 kind of killed off a lot of momentum or threatened to kill off a lot of momentum for people looking at soccer like a genuine American sport. So in this way, it's kind of an outward projection to the rest of the world, like, hey, the U.S. is and can be a soccer kind of a soccer nation, but also like kind of going inside to the U.S. and showing the rest of the U.S. like, hey, we, we're also a soccer nation. And how did the qualification campaign go for the this World Cup? Was it sort of all plain sailing or was there a bit of a struggle? It was a struggle. Um, if you look at how the USA finished, we we got just above Costa Rica in terms of like goal difference. There were a lot of games in which the USA it was it was very cherry. Uh, it was they were rough games. It was a lot of negativity. Um, the fact that we had to go and play out in Minnesota for one of our qualifiers in order to have like the elements on our side. Um, I think was just like, you know, very much testament to the fact that the USA in terms of like the way the team was set up and stuff wasn't conducive to kind of the manner in which like we wanted to win. A lot of that comes down to management and the way that the team is playing. Um, If you look at kind of like the attacking firepower and the flair that we have in this team, it's really strong. Um, But the way in which Greg Berhalter wants to play maybe doesn't like it, it kind of like hamstrings the squad. He really insists on playing a high line. Um, I wouldn't say that some of those defenders are kind of cut out to play a high line. We've got a lot of slow defenders. So I'm sure like Wales will have an absolute field day with DJ kind of running in behind Brendan Johnson as well. Um, so yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't smooth sailing. We really struggled to score. Uh, Ricardo Pepe um, came on, scored three wonderful goals during qualifying and he's not even in the the squad. So yeah, scoring is is something that the USA has really struggled with, but at the same time, Wales has really struggled with that. So, you know, it could just cancel each other out. thats I'll, be, I'll admit that's made me feel a little bit better going into next week. Just for Wales fans, looking at that squad, I know there's some big names in there playing for the likes of Chelsea and Juventus. Who are the, the main names that Wales, play, Wales fans should look out for? Christian Pulisic, obviously. Um, he's, you know, Captain America, whatever you want to call him. But he's, he's genuinely a good player. And when he feels confident... Um, he does yeah it's a little bit like Bale like he, he can pull out something uh, kind of out of his hat um, and with the U.S. he does feel confident Gio Reyna's a really great player when he's not injured like technically he's one of our better like gifted players and the U.S. hasn't always been blessed with those kinds of players so Gio Reyna is really exciting Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson if people have watched them for leads they'll know just kind of how just tenacious they are and they they don't get flagged like they they do not tire so that back line of Ben Davis Joe Roden and Chris Mepham especially will have to watch out for Brendan Aronson like coming in and trying to get the ball off them and just really try to harry them um, and then you've got players like Weston McKenney who are just strong. They will muscle you off the ball. Uh, to me, Weston reminds me a little bit of Ethan Ampadu, just a little bit like mus- more muscular. Like if Ethan Ampadu lived in the States and went to like American football training all the time, that's kind of what mis- Weston McKenney is. Um, so yeah, they those are sort of the players to look out for, but all of them, all of them have their strengths. But then like I think the defense is where the U.S. really struggles sometimes just in terms of making sure that they can kind of hone and like, yeah, make sure that they're not porous, I guess, in the back. And then, yeah, on the wings as well. So uh, the wing backs, Nico and Connor for Wales could have a really good time. And what does this World Cup mean in terms of the context of the team? Like, um, obviously, is this sort of like a 
golden era, similar to Wales in the sense that you've got really young players coming through, but then you've also got experienced heads around who I think one player might have played in a World Cup, I think I read the other day. Would you say that this is more like, is it? Is this going to be the peak of the USA team or do you reckon maybe like more in the future? Oh, 2026 is our peak. When you look at 2026, um, it will be like 27, 28. Like most of them will be around that age. So for us in the US, this is actually kind of like a precursor to that kind of like a setting the stage for it. Um, like you said, we've only got one player that has World Cup experience. The rest of them have absolutely like zero major tournament experience, uh, which is actually a little different to Wales. Wales has major tournament experience, just no World Cup experience. So the two are similar, but they're also different. Um, all of these players are incredibly young. Um, all of these players will likely be playing at 2026, other than maybe like a few of them. So for the U.S., when we look at this, it is kind of leading up into that 2026. Um, but as well, there's a lot of excitement around this team and there's a lot of standards for this team. Um, Greg Berhalter, the manager, is under a ton of pressure to deliver. If he doesn't deliver, a lot of fans will be asking for his head. Um, so there's a there's a lot of pressure on this team to perform. Um, I'm not sure if people over here in Wales under, know this, but in the U.S., most people in the U.S., most fans have rated the U.S. in terms of quality above Wales, and they do think that they should be beating Wales. Um, they should also be beating Iran, and they think they should be competing with England. So there are a lot of people out in the States that see this team as like an incredible kind of like a team of great firepower. So yeah, I'm not sure who's kind of, who's going to be let down or disappointed at the end of this. Um, so we'll see. Broadcasting from the John Wills studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff, we are Radio Glamorgan. If there's one group that I was looking forward to in the World Cup, was this, it was this group. You know, the fact that you have England, uh, which is obviously being... Um, touted as like one of the teams to go into the knockouts and as far as even the even the top four like in the semifinals um and then you have Wales which is always a dark horse you never know what you can expect with them um and then Iran as well is again one of those outliers who can spring a surprise on their given day I think it's a very interesting group um but if I look at the U.S. team in particular, in terms of talent, I think this is one of the best teams that we've had entering a World Cup competition. And you've got, you can see recognizable players, not just, um, say, in the forward positions, but also even in midfield and in defense as well. So in terms of talent and sort of the variety of ta- of um, players that we have in the squad, I think, um, yeah, this is the most excited I've been. I, I would be low-key. I'm expecting us to finish second in the table, um, and I'm expecting England to finish first. But if we get through to uh, the group stages and onto the knockouts, I think that would be that would be massive because obviously Wales is another like I see Wales as our direct competition um for that second slot um so it's going to be a tight contest between the two teams and if we can pip past them and then get into the knockouts and then from then onwards you never know what's going to happen right it's going to be a good game for sure Wales has some really good players um and you obviously still have Gareth Bale out there who as we know whenever he plays for Wales he just shows up and just turns into a different player altogether compared to what we've seen in his club career recently um so yeah Gareth Bale playing for Wales and then you have Dan James um as well and yeah a couple of 
it's a very interesting squad. Um, I don't remember most of the players of, off the top of my head, but um, I know the fact that they have had a, a decent run even during the Nations League and even during the friendlies as well. So definitely not want to underestimate and take them lightly. But um, yeah, I mean, if we beat them, that'll be, that'll be really good to start things off with. I would say, obviously, um, Christian Pulisic is one to look out for. Um, I know he has, he's been firing hot and cold recently with Chelsea, but, you know, with the US team, it becomes a different ball game altogether. And he has had a good record of performing in the national team. So definitely one to look out for. You obviously have Weston McKennie, um, again, of Juventus, he's been playing really well. So another one to look out for. Uh, Brendan Aronson is one who I have been most impressed with since his move to Leeds. Um, and especially under Jesse Marsh, he looks to be a sure shot starter almost every game. And he has shown um, glimpses of skills and talent which I think would be really useful in that midfield for them. And obviously you have Giovanni Reyna, uh, another forward. So I think the partnership between Pulisic and Reyna would be, it's going to be critical for us in terms of um, being clinical and scoring goals. And I think in midfield, you have Sergino Dense, uh, who is also like a, an attacking fullback is going to be key for us as well. From the heart of the Heath, serving the University Hospital of Wales, St. David's Hospital and the Cardiff Royal Infirmary too. We are Radio Glamorgan.
So another one of our final year students is joining me in the studio now, Chris Stonage, who we're going to be calling Statman Chris for the duration of this section of the programme. Chris, you've been doing your homework on the USA. What have you got to tell us? Yeah, so let's talk about soccer, shall we? I mean, we a lot of people in this country cringe at that word, but uh, the the quote from uh, the US coach Greg Berhalter is he wants to change the way the world views American soccer, and I think he has done that. Um, the 26-player squad that, that the US have taken across uh, to Qatar is the youngest World Cup squad uh, at the tournament. It's also the second youngest ever on average, um, at an average age of 25 years and 175 days. So he certainly put through a new generation uh, of players. Um, there's several recognisable names as well, especially to those who follow uh, Premier League football closely, of course. Christian Pulisic uh, of Chelsea is the star man. He got five goals this season in, in their qualifying, uh, for the octa- in the octagonal qualifying. Um, they've also got Leeds' Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson as well as uh, ba- former Barcelona man Serginio Dest. So yeah, they're certainly a commodity uh, to be taken seriously. Um, they are the world's 16th best team according to FIFA World Ranking, so it'll be a really tough game for Wales. And what's your prediction in terms of how far they're likely to get? I think it... <sighs> Part of me, part of me thinks that they could get it all the way to to the round of sixteen. I think they they've got um, they've got some incredibly talented players, and they play a really really cool style of football. Um, Bahalta, who used to coach Columbus Crew and Hammerby, um, has this a very similar to Manchester City style of play. So yeah, I, I think they they could get to the round of sixteen. Uh, it it will. I think football and technique wise, they can definitely beat Wales and Iran. Um, and I think they they definitely give England a game. Although away from home, they've got quite a weird uh, record. So they've won twenty four of the last twenty five games at home in the USA, uh, but they they haven't won any of their last seven away from home. Their only point they got from that was a draw away at El Salvador, um, who are who are outside of the world's top one hundred. So um, yeah, it's uh, I think they get to the last sixteen. That'll be my prediction. And you are not a Welshman. You're an Englishman, but you told me earlier that you're not going to be supporting England. No, I've got no real affinity with England, to be honest with you. It's a a strange one. Um, Never watched international football growing up, um, apart from the major tournaments. Um, but I will be supporting Wales just because I've got a lot of Welsh supporting friends and I hope, uh, I hope for one, that they, they can get through to the last 16, maybe alongside the USA. Do you think, realistically, that England could win the World Cup? No. <laughs> no. If, if I'm that was on- the right answer. <laughs> no, no. I think um, if I'm if, if I'm being honest, I think this, the World Cup's going to South America. Um, obviously, Argentina have got the famed Lionel Messi, um, and I think a lot of people would want them to go and win the World Cup. Um, Brazil have got an incredibly strong squad as well. Uh, but my my little my little tip, if there's any if there's any better men or women out there, um, would be Uruguay. I think they are the dark horses for the tournament. Um, they've got an incredibly strong squad, and I think you know if they if they can top their group, especially, uh, they will have a real good run and a good shot of winning it. So yeah, that would be my tip. Broadcasting from the John Wills Studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff, we are Radio Glamorgan.